Keep God's word on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do what it says. Then you will truly be successful. Keep God's word on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do what it says. Then you will truly be successful. Good morning, everybody. It's day 71 of our 90-day challenge, and the topic is... God is our supply. Be careful to do what it says, then you will truly be successful. We're in the book of Philippians. Philippians 4 verse 1 says this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends, I plead with Judea and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. That ends our reading for today. And again, our topic is God is our supply. 
Some of us hate our jobs. Others of us need a job. Most of us wish we didn't have to work. Most of us didn't appreciate the season when we didn't actually have to work. But the reality is we do. Adulting is one of life's greatest scams. Now that I am one, I want a refund. <laughs> Indeed, these are the best of times and the worst of times. Many of us are doing well in one area and struggling in another. We are fulfilled with this, but lacking with that. Either way, it is the best of times and the worst of times. And I'm wondering if I am the only one who is currently in this really weird place. Have you ever reached a point in your life where you just wanted more? Ever been at a place where you find yourself going through the motions as if your life is in neutral? You're existing to just get through the day and not as pumped about life as you once were. I think we all have been there, but what do we do about it? What do we do when things that used to satisfy us no longer do? I don't have all of the answers, but I would like to make a few recommendations. First, begin to see your frustration as answered prayer. This is the push you need in order to once and for all pursue the passion God has placed within you. Until you do what you were born to do, you will die doing what others think you should be doing. It's time to downsize if you must. Move back home with mama. Go a few months without cable. Stop ordering takeout for a few months. Delete your Amazon account as soon as possible. But whatever you do, make God's dream come true through you. God is shifting your priorities. You don't need the props you thought you once needed. Psalm 24 reminds us that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. At the end of the day, all you really need is him. Today is the day to move from one day I will to today I must. Consider Philippians 4.19. The writer says, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. I love that Paul calls him my God. Why? Because God is not an absent father. God is not a distant deity. God doesn't watch over your mistakes and mock you when you're at a low point. No, God is your God. So make God your God. The writer identifies God as my God because there is a thriving relationship between the two of them that affords him the privilege of making this bold declaration. Paul knows God to be faithful. Paul knows God to be forgiving. Paul knows God to be a personal caregiver who doesn't bunch up billions of humans into one category, but loves each of us as if we are an only child. In the same way, God is your God. God is personally concerned about your well-being. God is intimately invested in your success. He doesn't worry like we do because he knows how the chapter will end. Nevertheless, he cares about every tear you cry because he's your God. I remember when I took my daughter to her first doctor's appointment, she was only a few months old at the time. And for whatever reason, mommy couldn't accompany us on this trip. So I, King Dad, walked into the doctor's office with two oversized baby bags, a stroller. I didn't know how to work too much milk, too many pampers and toys galore. Stop laughing. Everybody knew I ain't have a clue what I was doing, but I was so excited to be the dad who had it all under control. I had nothing under control. 
All the seasoned parents in the doctor's office looked at me with that, oh, he knows not what he is doing face. Nevertheless, the time came for me to give the receptionist my credit card for my copay. As I reached for my wallet, my daughter yanked it out of my hands and began to play with my cards. I was a bit embarrassed. I wanted to appear poised and in control, but the nurse started giggling and said, oh, look at the baby trying to take her daddy's wallet. She's trying to steal your money. So cute. I looked back at the nurse and said, no, no, no. She can't steal what already belongs to her. As her father, everything I have is hers because I am responsible for her. Man, I get chills every time I tell this story. I tear up every time I get to this part because it was as if God created this moment to remind me, I, the Lord, hallelujah, am responsible for you. I, the Lord, am responsible for you. The same way God takes care of the sparrow, God takes care of me. And the scriptures written in Matthew 6 rush to the forefront of my mind. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Listen, it's an old song, but it's a true song. Be not dismayed, whatever be tied. God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. Why? Because God is responsible for you. But the second part of this worship thought is even more powerful, in my opinion, than the first. Go back and look closely at Philippians 4.19. The writer does not say, even though we misquote it time and time again, my God shall supply all my needs. No, no, no. The writer says, but my God shall supply all your needs. My needs is very different than your needs. And our misquoting of this scripture reveals, I think, a continuous concern I have with our religious impulses in North America. Most of us are only interested in what God can do for us. My needs, my house, my car, my spouse. But this scripture reveals that God is not only interested in me, he's also invested in your needs too. He is such a big God that he can take care of me, you, and every other person in the world and still not end up with insufficient funds. This small word change from my needs to your needs also teaches another important lesson. In order to receive from God, we must be willing to give to others. I must be more concerned about what God will do for you than I am about what God will do for me. As Paul and Timothy are writing these words to the church in Philippi, Paul is in prison. 
Paul wrote Philippians at a time when he was suffering greatly, at a time when he wondered if he might be soon killed. Still, he was more concerned about giving the church at Philippi assurance that God would supply their needs while he was filled with personal needs himself. I'm sure he needed a shower. I'm sure he needed bail money. I'm sure he needed a hug. I know I would have. But Paul isn't self-centered or self-absorbed. Instead, he's encouraging the people to trust God to take care of it all. And here's the beautiful thing about it. The moment you trust God to supply others' needs is the moment God will turn around and take care of yours. So what is your worship work today? Don't just pray for God to meet someone's needs. Ask God how you could be a conduit to help meet the needs of others. Remember, God will take care of you. Take
why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus He watches me. 